Welcome to the Amusia Podcast. There's a lot going on this week, which is okay. That is the reason that a couple of weeks ago, when Michael and I got together and noodled on a couple of different ideas, he came up with some music that I could use for an old classic story of mine. Or barring classic, old. Mr. Meaningless dates back to 1993 or 94 or so, but this recording of the reading of it and the music for it are from the past couple of weeks. With no more ado, please enjoy this story about a man in a solipsistic semantic crisis. You could say it started when he saw the panorama. Set had run into it many years back, a minute-long stretch of film shot by associates of Thomas Edison at the turn of the century. The camera was spun on its tripod to make a circular pan of an unnamed public plaza, probably a boardwalk in New York or New Jersey. A youngish fellow with a tense face and bowler cap walked into the camera's field while this was happening. He had been talking with a friend, strolling on a summer afternoon in 1902 or 3. What the hell is this thing? That was the expression on the man's face. What the hell is this they're pointing at me? Very interesting, Seth thought. Very interesting. This man, whose image was fused forever to a strip of celluloid. What if he had gone through the park 15 minutes later that day, or 15 before, and who cared? Somebody else would have come by. And then, the man vanished. Dead now, Panorama Man was, surfacing for one 1902 summer's moment in a preserved scene, then sinking back into that turbulent ocean of fruit markets and automobiles and filthy apartments and marriage and mint-flavor mouthwash and accidental flatulence and polite company and automobiles and children and trombones. That turbulent ocean leapt up and swallowed the man like the inevitable like the left extremity of a film cell, and he was left to weave out a life along some unknown track and die. What if Panorama Man lived out the rest of his life differently from how he did, Set asked himself, but for all Set knew, Panorama Man had lived out the rest of his life differently from how he had. And Set was transformed. It didn't happen all at once, of course, this transformation. Set forgot altogether about the Edison panorama for a year. Then it popped back into his head one day during the divorce. He considered it with almost pathological frequency for a few weeks, then forgot about it again. But two months later, the image was back in his mind. This time he broke down and bought the billboard. Set reduced a video still of Panorama Man to a photograph and had the photograph reproduced over a busy section of town. What the hell is this thing? P.M. said with his face, peering out on a world he had not lived to see. The clerk at the outdoor advertising office thought Set was strange, which was probable enough as this flourish cost him almost $4,000. But I am in a turbulent ocean of trombones, Set explained to the man at the billboard place. What could $4,000 mean? A fresh rabbit costs four sestertia in ancient Rome. The clerk shrugged and tried to suppress a smile. A few months later, Set read an unabridged dictionary. He paused over each word and repeated it to himself so many times that it lost its sense and became an arbitrary sound. It was sometime during this project, on an impulse, that he took the book outside, threw it as far up in the air as he could, and plunged his finger down on the page that happened to lie face up. His finger fell on the definition of the word set. Definition 64, more specifically, set about. A, to begin on, start. B, to undertake, attempt. And from that afternoon, eh, his name was Set. The name happened to coincide with a malignant Egyptian deities, but there wasn't much Set could do about that. Randomness is random. One day, Set was tired, 
So he went to the grocery store, bought $250 of frozen dinners, and moved his refrigerator and microwave oven out of the kitchen to the side of his bed. He laid down for about six weeks, fixing dinners in the microwave and listening to the alarm clock radio in bed. He was fired from his job sometime during the second week. It was a nice time overall. One day, Seth bought a five-pound bag of sugar and set out counting the grains in it. He used a magnifying glass and a pair of tweezers to pick through the powder. The total came to about 2,750,000. Set wasn't sure of the exact number because he forgot to write it down. It took him 10 months to count the bag. Soon after, Set sold his car and liquidated other capital to continue meeting rent. A few weeks later, Set caught a plane to Boise, took a taxi to the residential outskirts of town, and left the driver idling in the parking lot of an apartment complex. From the apartments, Set jogged to a house a block or two away and knocked at a door where a middle-aged woman answered. Set smiled warmly and said, Minestrone will fail. He withdrew a knife from the cuff of his suit, stabbed the woman in the left shoulder, and ran the few blocks back to the cab. He caught a plane home from Boise that evening. The next day, Set put up a booth in the middle of the park and gave away free pancakes. He feared most people were too suspicious to accept pancakes from a stranger, so Set hung a sign over his booth claiming he represented a popular local restaurant. This was in violation of some law or other, and by early afternoon, Set had been arrested. The restaurant owner pressed charges, so he spent 30 days in jail. A motion made by Set, stating that in light of the severity of his crime, his sentence be extended by 82 and a half minutes, failed. Set had a dream one night that he could fly, so the next afternoon he jumped from the top of a parking garage. Both his legs were broken, and he went into a coma for two days. When he recovered, Set filed suit against the owners of the parking garage for not staffing the roof of the structure with psychiatrists. He later formed a non-profit organization called Gratuity USA 2000 and solicited donations, quote, to be used to give things to people that they don't want, end quote. He printed a number of fine brochures with what he thought were elegant promotional blurbs. A lot of people work hard in life to get the things they desire, but it takes a rare talent and determination, a rare sense of human nature to struggle toward the pointless. We at Gratuity USA 2000, however, are prepared to meet that challenge with an iceberg who will help fold construction paper, SOFA. Please postulate the halukul grandly. Gratuity USA 2000, winnowing for an itchier jackanape. Set mailed hundreds of these brochures to potential financiers and sent out letters a few days later, regretfully announcing that Gratuity USA 2000 had been disbanded after its co-founder Ernie Blatt was forced to redevote his life to renovating his kitchen garbage disposal. Any donations intended for the organization should be mailed to a woman named Edna Burns in Georgia, whose name had been randomly selected from a telephone book. As president of Gratuity USA 2000, Set attempted to enroll the organization in bankruptcy proceedings, but the authorities would not allow this since it was unincorporated and had never opened a bank account. Set had 6,000 bumper stickers printed which read, Beef Trigger is a winsome maze of mud. Each of the stickers was on cheap paper, backed with an extremely strong glue, and was almost impossible to remove from a bumper once applied. Set spent a few days placing these stickers on cars and parking garages. When finished, he made enough coleslaw to fill four large garbage cans and dump the stuff on the highway in the middle of the night. Set later learned that a car went into a skid after striking the coleslaw, killing one person and injuring another. He was interested to note while watching a television news story about the accident that the car had one of his bumper stickers on it. 
Set spent the next three months canvassing for a city council candidate named Ernie Blatt, who needed 6,000 signatures to appear on the ballot. Blatt endorsed a broad palette of unsavory policies, including the deportation of children, the return to the gold standard, the invasion of neighboring counties, and the illegalization of the word if. Set did his canvassing in December, in an off year for elections, and never failed to explain to the people he spoke to that Ernie Blatt does not exist. A lot of people were angry at Set for his presentation, but in a few months, he still managed to collect the necessary signatures for the Blatt campaign. Set decided not to submit the petition to the election authorities, however, and mailed it instead to a woman named Edna Burns in Georgia. One night, Set dreamed he was married and employed again. He built a working atomic bomb the next week and set it off in the park. The bomb failed to explode because in absence of purified uranium, Seth had employed a spicy bean dip in the device. The local newspapers ran stories about the bomb, soon recovered from the park, and public opinion held that Satanists were responsible. Set established a religion, acknowledged by the government, dedicated to the worship of soap buildup on bathroom tile. It took years for that paperwork to go through. Soon after, Set got a job stocking parts in a warehouse and worked there for about three years. On his last day, he hid a small note beneath the bottom shelf of a large metal rack, which read, Just kidding. Then he baked the world's largest donut. For months, he glued tens of thousands of bits of broken glass to the walls of his home and took up sleeping in a tent on the roof so as not to disturb the shards. He ate 40 pounds of cement in daily chips. He pretended he was a frog for a few minutes. He had every inch of his skin tattooed red. He shoplifted in inverse. He crab-walked to the chevron and back. Set deposited the bodies of shaved dead squirrels at the doorsteps of every religious institution in town and the Kiwanis Club. Public opinion held that Satanists were responsible. He raised money for a project by recycling aluminum. Set stole walls from sheds in the country, shoplifted aluminum cooking ware, and scrapped sheets off the sides of abandoned cars. When he had collected $20,000, Set purchased a 15-second long advertising spot on primetime network television. Two million households viewed the slogan, You can run from freedom, but you can't hide. Give a bowl of sand to seven people in Atlanta. One bowl, seven people. Set was arrested for running naked down the streets of a quiet neighborhood at 3 a.m. A mass of crepe paper streamers was pasted to his back and buttocks. By the time police arrived, Set had screamed himself hoarse, but complainants reported that he had been chanting about the significance of persistence and the persistence of significance. Several days later, Set cut off all the fingers of his left hand and deposited them in mailboxes around the city. Police matched the fingerprints and came to Set's house to see if everything was all right. He told them that yes, his fingers had all been cut off and deposited in mailboxes, and that no, there was no one against whom he wished to register a complaint. The policeman recommended he obtain professional help. There was talk of protective custody, even harassment charges, on behalf of the mailbox owners, but nothing immediate came of it. Set purchased 500 gallons of milk and left it sitting in a vat in his backyard. Public health officials came four days later at the request of neighbors, and Set explained to them that he was making cheese, which he hoped to sell from a booth in the middle of the mall. The officials told him the milk had to be disposed of, so Set went into his backyard and began to eat the contents of the vat. After two hours, he had consumed five gallons of coagulated milk and fell ill to the point of being unable to stay conscious and keep eating. He came down with acute salmonella and died sometime the next day, while still lying next to the vat in his backyard. <laughs>